Welcome, guys, to the Monarchy Podcast, another episode of the Monarchy Podcast. And today we have a very, very special guest, somebody that I, on the DL, look up to, in a sense. She doesn't know this, but uh, I do. Thank you, thank uh, you. Her name is Wesley Uyoa. And is it Uyoa or Uloa? Bueno, it depends how you're pronouncing it. But in English, Uloa. In Spanish, Uyoa. Excellent, excellent. And she's the uh, broker owner of Lux Properties. Uh, we're also here today with Yuli, as you guys know, my sidekick. Uh, Hello. <laughs> and uh, we're going to be Welcome. getting... Wesley, right? Wesley. Yes. Wesley. We're going to be getting a, uh, to know a little bit about Wesley today. And uh, without further ado, if you don't mind just giving a brief introduction of who you are. Wow. Okay. So um, I am a realtor slash broker owner of Lux Properties. Um, I've been in the real estate industry for 14 years. Um, studied it, practice it, live it every single day. I also specialize in selling historic homes in Miami. Well, I should have called you. I had I, I was involved in a loss for a historic home in uh, the Panhandle. Oh wow! And I sh I should have called you because uh, nobody knows anything about historic homes. I'm sure you know more than all the people that I consulted with. Yeah, I could find you anything you probably want to know on it. So um, research them, kind of figure out who the architects are. Not always, you know, like Panhandle is really special, but here in Miami, definitely. Good. So, how did you get into real estate? How did it all start? Oh, wow. That's like a loaded question. But um, I got into real estate at 20, right? So before I did real estate, I worked at a gym and I managed a gym. And I was like, this is not going to be what I see myself doing for the rest of my career. Uh, and I really wanted to grow. Real estate was growing at that time. And I tried mortgages for three months, absolutely hated it, <laughs> and then jumped into real estate. Um, I really think it stems back from financial freedom. Like I always wanted to have a house free and clear. Like once I learned that I could live in a house and not have a mortgage payment, that was my really big goal. So I just got intrigued with that whole idea. And got my license in 2007. And of course, the market crashed. Um, but that was a blessing in disguise because, you know, I learned to be resourceful. I learned how to survive in any market. Um, and that's how I got here today. It's pretty cool. And um, so who did you start working with? As a, Wait, to, so to educate the viewers, to become a realtor, uh, can you just, what, what do you do? You be, get a license or... Basically, yeah. So I was still in college. Um, I was in FIU and I uh, basically I actually worked under a mortgage broker for three months, but you didn't need a license to be. An, I was like basically an assistant slash junior processor training to be that um, couldn't stand mortgages. So I was like, I need to go do something else. I went and then I started working in a smaller real estate boutique firm where then I ended up getting my license. So I worked as an admin there, got my license, uh, got training, and then I was just basically out on my own. Um, went over to Fortune International Realty for seven years and then I opened up my own. Okay. And that was 2014 when you guys opened up, right? Basically 13 to 14. What, decide, what made you decide to go on your own and not just be a realtor? So... I've always wanted to have my own thing, but more than anything, I was growing a team and I noticed that my team kept growing under the brokerage. Um, and I really, it didn't make sense for my team 
to the way that I was structuring everything was I was giving them a lot of the business. So they had to pay me and the brokerage. So I was like, you know what? Let me just open up my own because I was doing a very, very high transaction volume. So I was doing on average 75 deals a year myself. So it was enough to support it. Um, I got approached by a local developer and he's like, let's do it. Let's do it. You know, you could sell all my stuff. So that kind of also gave me the push in the right direction to do it because it was very nerve wracking. Um, sure. I basically had like one foot in and one foot out before I finally took the plunge. Um, but I did it and, and I've been doing it ever since. Okay, and something we wanted to ask you about, you were a top producer, right? At that um, other brokerage firm you were with. How was it venturing out on your own? And I know you kind of went into that a little bit now, but how was it like just leaving that, you know? Scary. <laughs> um, it was definitely scary. Um, I, I basically had a self-sustaining business. Um, and I went, to be wholeheartedly honest, I went from making a certain amount of money and my income dropped to a third the first year of what I was making. And that is really scary. Um, granted, obviously, uh, it, to make money your first year opening up a business is great anyways, you know, so that is a big blessing because a lot of businesses don't make any money their first year. Um, but it was a big drastic change. So I had to do a lifestyle change um, until, you know, everything kind of settled itself out. Um, but it was definitely scary, but it was also exhilarating at the same time, you know, cause you're doing something new. Uh, it's a new experience, learning new experiences, and it's a, it's a growth process as well. It's pretty good. What kind of struggles did you go through? Like oh. opening up your own business and have they been worth it? How long do you want me to sit here and talk to you? <laughs> as long as you want. As long um, as you want. Man, struggles. Okay. So, my biggest struggle by far would be splitting up with my business partner. So um, it's all roses, right? Um, when you're starting the business, everything's great. But when you have two very strong competing individuals, um, and not competing because we're on the same team, but you know, what, with how things should be done, um, that definitely leads to arguments and stuff. Um, we one day, uh, just to make the the story short, one day we had um, a disagreement with how money should be handled, and I woke up one day and there was no money in the bank account, um, and so that was really interesting. So we we had a little tiff. Luckily, we found a common ground, and I ended up with a company, and he ended up going away, and we still do business together. But that was that was a big struggle. Um, other struggles is. Just figuring out, you know, real estate in every industry is changing so quickly right now. So always staying ahead of the curve and making sure that you're not falling behind is a big struggle. Um, you know, man, sleepless nights, everything that goes into it, um, making sure that you're not too emotionally attached to situations. So there's a lot of struggles. Is it worth it? Yes. I, I would never want to go back to, you know, doing business on my own. Um, I love the fact that I have a team around me that, you know, it's really fun developing people and seeing them grow from nothing to selling tons of real estate and watching them grow and being there for them. It means so much more when you could give back to people. So I would never go back. And it's the same struggles that I had when I was dealing with clients. It's just a different kind of struggle or it's just a different way of doing business. But it's the same thing in the end of the day. Um, and I love the freedom that owning your own business gives. So it's safe to say it was totally worth it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Totally worth it. I, I wouldn't I would never look back. And people, for, for some reason, tend to think that it gets easier 
uh, as you grow grow a team and you're kind of like not in the field so much, but it, it gets even more complicated, I would say, right? Yeah. You, you have to be basically like an octopus in every single spot of your business. I mean, well, like, you do the same thing, exactly. right? Like you have a team here so, and you have a bunch of, of adjusters here now working under you, right? Exactly. So it's it, the way it is, it's... Um, you want to it gets harder because you want to make sure that those individuals are going to do the same jo- level of service or the same job that you're going to do. So um, that's where it gets harder. But in the end of the day, it's the same thing when you're dealing with clients, you're going to have some different kind of clients, some difficult clients, and you're going to have some difficult agents. Um, but it doesn't it just doesn't get easier. You just get better and stronger at managing the situations and expectations. Correct. How does Lux differ from every other uh broker um in what sense the consumer sense or the agent sense because i mean it's it is hand in hand but how we differ is exceptional service better trained agents more knowledgeable agents with better access to tools and services to get the job done we're looking to streamline the process from beginning to end at the moment that they interact with one of our agents they're dealing with somebody at a higher level so we provide more training than the majority of brokers out there by far more support than the majority of brokers out there more technology more leads to help these agents perform at a higher level right um not having we're not a place where you could hang your license you know so we recently started you know getting rid of anybody who doesn't produce in a certain amount of time with us why because we want that person that's going to be hands-on and making sure that this person is having the best experience in the most important purchase of their lives gotcha as far as the market, do you target like a certain market, like for your listings? So I basically, so I've transitioned to broker. I still get some listings from past business. I've done probably over 800, 900 transactions in my career. Um, but for the most part, I really focus on just the agents depicting their own niche we're picking what they want to specialize in and training them to be experts in their area. So making sure that if that person wants to sell houses in Pinecrest, they know the market like the back of their hands. If they want to sell in Kendall, whatever it is, making sure that they know, have the tools, support, and training to master their markets. Before we jump into the whole market and recession talk that uh, is really important, I think, um, there's a question here that says... Uh, we did our homework (laughs) and by we she means her (laughs) so you basically did did like private investigative work to know everything (laughs) Uh, a little bit yeah it says here that you're that you're an introvert growing up yeah no i'm still an introvert (laughs) but i've always been an introvert um i'm an introvert by nature um but what about that (laughs) i was just yeah you you, you came up with the question no no no, i was just curious about like how an introvert becomes such a successful businesswoman in sales you know, uh, so. how do i how do how am i willing to put myself out there being an introvert um i think there's a misconception of what an introvert is so like i like to say it as much as possible because i think people have a misconception that an introvert is somebody that is like in a shell all day long um to me and how do i know i'm introverted i get really tired and overwhelmed when there's too many people around not that i don't want to be around people but it it drains me emotionally it's like an overload of like a stimulus um so it's not that i don't like i have a ton of energy as you could probably tell right now is it like going through the camera at this point um or the the radio but um i have a ton of energy but it gets me tired so i need to like recharge all the time like i like going back into like my own mind like your tesla 
I, recharge. So <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> so, but then I come back better than ever. No. Um, <laughs> but it's more along that. Um, and I still put myself out there because if you don't put yourself out there, you're never going to get the results you want in life. Um, I know what I want. And I don't care if I have to, if I'm sitting in a corner not doing anything, I'm never going to get there. So just because I'm introverted doesn't mean I can't go out there and get what I want or do what I want or put myself out there. It's just more, I get tired doing it in my eyes. <laughs> what do you want? Oh, growth every single day in progress every single day, right? What's, like, the, what's the ultimate goal? Um, I mean, financial freedom, 100% financial freedom. I mean, when it comes to professionally, that is my ultimate goal by far um not that money drives me right it doesn't but i had um a really interesting experience growing up and i think that's like what shaped me is um my dad had his own businesses here in south florida he had record stores um he managed bands so like he had record stores and he goes to manage bands and he was very successful um a lot of people in the music industry still know him here but uh there was a tragic accident he was managing um a specific band from when they were like 18 years old, they got to, I think they were like 23, 24, got them signed to a six figure deal with Sony. And like, he basically raised these kids, right? They would spend the night at our house, everything. Um, they went into, they got into a tragic accident. Everybody, three of the five people died while they were touring. Um, my dad went into a major depression. My dad didn't basically do anything for two years, lost all his businesses, and my mom had to support the family. So that left like a really big um, impact in my life that I'm like, I, it's not that I don't ever want to be in that position because life happens to you, but I want to do everything in my power that if something happens to me, I have control or I'm in charge of the situation that I'm financially stable no matter what happens. Gotcha. But I mean, I know you don't want to talk about money, right? Or, or you don't want to <laughs> but, it's, but I'm trying to say it's not about the money. It's about having a quality of life. Gotcha. gotcha. It's more about a quality of life that I don't have to wake up and worry about it. You know? Got it. Got it. All right. So we went off on a little bit of a tangent. So let's get back and track <laughs> on track here. In conversation. <laughs> uh, recession. Is that such a thing that we're going through right now as described by the National Bureau of Economic Research? Okay. So... There's, there's plenty of ways to look at a recession, all right? Um, now, if just because we're in a recession or we're not or whatever, however you want to look at it, doesn't mean that it affects housing. Every recession is not, the recessions aren't created equal. Um, so whether we're in a recession or not, I think that's pretty just, is GDP going down or not, you know? So I, I don't, whether, however you want to label it, doesn't make a difference. Um, the way that I see it is I think that there's big issues in our economy overall. Um, to be honest with you, I think that there's been issues in our economy before this happened, right? Um, not that things can't be fixed or not that things weren't going in a better direction, but there are things happening in our economy outside of the scope of real estate, let's say. Uh, if we're in a real estate recession, not right now. No, we're the furthest thing from it. Um, I've never seen a market like this in 14 years where we're in a recession and we're having bidding wars or we're in um, a crisis is a better way to say it, right? A crisis um, that we're having bidding wars. We don't have enough inventory. The market is so strong right now. It could be being propped up by low interest rates. Um, it could be. But regardless, um, even with low interest rates, the demand is so high that even if they raise interest rates, I don't see a softening of the market anytime soon. Do you think that, were you going to say something? No. 
Do you think that uh, South Florida has its own market in a way, or is it reflective of the rest of the country or vice versa? South, South Florida has always had its own market. South Florida kind of is like its own little world in the United States. It's never behaved the same way as your typical cities in the United States. Um, bigger cities also as a whole tend to be um, independent of like market dynamics that affect the entire country, not fully independent, but um, there's other forces, right? There's a lot of foreigners who come in and invest in these big cities. So they don't behave the same way as the smaller cities. Uh, that's a really big driver for South Florida, especially that condo market, right? All of that condo market has been all foreigners. So the minute the foreigners disappear, you start seeing fractures in that economy. Uh, so that's a big indicator of our market. Uh, now we're seeing a lot of individuals from the United States move over here. So we're definitely an independent market in that aspect, not to say that other issues in the greater economy won't affect us, but I don't think that we're going to ever behave just like the rest of the United States. And what about for the people that, uh, what do you call the, uh, the residents of, uh, yeah. of, of this city? Uh, is it recommended that, for example, uh, somebody that's young and looking to make their first home purchase, would you recommend that they do so now or what's, what's yes. your Yes. In the short answer, yes. And not because I'm a realtor and it's always a good time to buy. No, it's not. <laughs> um, and in fact, I would probably say right now you shouldn't be buying investment properties or you shouldn't be buying commercial properties. Uh, but first time home buyers, nine out of 10 times, it's always a good idea for somebody to buy versus rent. The simple premise that what are your options? Let's say you have $50,000 in a bank account right now. All right. You have two options. I mean, you have a few options, but you can let it sit there and then it's not going to grow and you want your money to grow. So you could put in a stock market. All right. Or you could invest it in a house. Most people don't put their money in the stock market. Most people aren't going to invest their money. In fact, what they're going to do is spend it. So if you invest it in a house, you have a savings account that if you hold on to that property to five to 10 years, it'll pay itself off. It'll make sense, right? What everybody wants to do is they want to track the market and buy low and sell high. And I think that's, what, I'm sorry, what people were expecting with at the beginning of this recession, that it would be another great recession like we had in 2008. And then everybody was hoping that they could like buy low. Do you see that happening no. this time around? No. no. In fact, I actually think the opposite's going to happen. Um, I'll, let me let me finish with this and I'll go get ahead, back to ahead. that. So if you're not going to invest your money somewhere else and you're just going to go spend it, you're going to be left with nothing. At least if you have a house. If you're looking at a house, just look at the rental payment versus your mortgage payment. If your mortgage payment is less than your rental payment, you buy it. That, that, that's a no-brainer. You shouldn't even be thinking otherwise. Now, if it's higher, then you got to start asking yourself questions. But if you're planning on staying in this property or keeping it as investment property long-term, it's going to make sense. But you got to look at the whole picture. Um, most people won't do that. Now, longer-term, I really think that real estate, it's very scarce when you think about it in Miami. And let's maybe not nationwide, but here in Miami you're already seeing a big divide between the the individuals that are coming here and buying and their income levels versus your working class. The further that goes along, the harder it is going to be for those first-time buyers that working class to buy. They're already getting priced out of the market. And we're going to be like New York, as long as we don't sink. <laughs> Maybe cut that out. No, um, we're going to be like New York as long as we don't sink, right? Um, we're going to be that big city. And 
go try and buy a property in New York right now. Go try and buy a property in California. You know, uh, Miami's going to be there whether people like it or not. Uh, and I just see it's a matter of time. Now, investment properties, I would be staying away from that right now. But that's a different scenario because your investment properties, you're buying them at such a low cap rate. It doesn't make sense. Why am I going to buy something at a three, four cap return on my investment for everybody? So that's how much money that property will generate for me. When I know eventually interest rates are going to have to go up, something there's going to be a big change there. So it all depends what market you're talking about. So what I hear is this is a time to buy before we turn into New York or yeah. California. Yeah, make sure you're getting a good deal. Get a good agent. Make sure you're getting a good deal. Don't just buy anything, you know. And even in this market, even with bidding wars, get yourself an advisor because there are realtors or there are people that are overpaying right now. So you want to look at the big picture. You know, there are people that are not making smart choices, but there's always deals to be made in any market. Regarding the people that have the 50K in the bank, Um, what about the Gucci belts and the Gucci shoes? And what are they going to do without those? Uh, listen, <laughs> I don't, that's, a, that's a personal decision, however they want to handle that. But I know that Gucci belt is not going to go up in value. They want to appreciate it, right? <laughs> yeah, good true. luck trying to resell that used thing. <laughs> All right. Well, you know how the Miami people are, so that's why oh. I, I just wanted to throw that out there. It, they, Miami is its own world. <laughs> um, I, I, are we like the fraud capital of the United States as well? God, that's what I, I hear. So. Yeah, yeah. Are we even considered part of the United States anymore? I, I don't well, think so. I don't think you do <laughs> because you said, we were talking about Miami. She's like, oh, my, the United States is now. Yeah. Uh, I, I wanted to say yeah. we're our own country, but I don't, I don't know how people would, <laughs> would take that. I think they would agree you right now. <laughs> you implied it. Wesley, can you walk us through quickly, of course, not quickly, but uh, briefly, uh, through the home buying process. Okay. Um, yeah, that's not brief, but I'll try my best. No. Um, <laughs> the, the most important thing with the home buying process, uh, really, it does take time. You know, people will tell you, yes, you could wake up today and decide to buy a property. But if you want to get yourself the right home, it's going to take some time, right? You want to you wanna first look at your options. I recommend start browsing as to what prices are out there. Um, decide what kind of property you want. Do I want a house? Do I want a condo? Do I want a townhouse? Where do I want to be? What lifestyle do I want to live, commute? Uh, do I want a newer home? Do I want an older home? Try to figure out at least a few options in that scenario first. Speak with a lender to see how much you could qualify for. Uh, make sure, know your what payment you want to have. Forget what you qualify for. How much do you want to pay monthly, right? A lot of people don't talk in those terms, but it would be easier if you do talk in those terms. So find out what you want to pay monthly. Get yourself an agent. Interview multiple agents. Don't use the person just because they're your friend. Don't. I, no, it's really make sure that your agent has a track record of getting deals done. Don't pick that part-time agent that really doesn't practice this full time, right? How can how can one determine that? How can one research that right. when you're looking at hundreds and hundreds of realtors? Get referrals, get reviews, right? Referrals from friends and family, get reviews. Um, actually sit down with them and have a conversation before you commit to work with them. Yeah. And what should we be asking them? Like what kind of questions should we be asking uh, a realtor when we interview them? Same questions you're asking me right now. Explain the process to me. If somebody can't explain the process from beginning to end, That should be your indicator right there that, you know, we what are what are the what are the like hurdles that you might come through during a transaction, you know, uh, help them 
guide them from beginning to end, really, to make sure that these and if they can't guide you with a conversation, then that that should be a red flag right there. And especially if you're a first time home buyer, I mean, after you bought your second or third home, you're going to already know these things that I'm telling you, right? You already went through those roadblocks. But you're, if you're a first time home buyer, you want somebody who's going to guide you from beginning to end and hold your hands because it is a very, very intricate, complex process. People don't really know that. But when you get a good realtor that helps you get the good deal, it's so worth it in the end. You're going to save money. You're going to save, ha- you're going to save time and energy and you're going to have your advocate. So good realtor. Realtors are worth their value every single day. Okay. Well, first, lending. Oh, yeah. Find your no, realtor. Lending, find a realtor. Okay. Ask them all those questions. And make sure that you feel comfortable with their style, right? Um, make sure that they know the, the home buying process. So once you do that, then you want to start browsing houses and you want to start, you should already have an idea of what you want. If you want a new home, you shouldn't be looking at fixer uppers, you know? So kind of make sure you know that. Um, start touring these houses, get as much information as you can from the seller. Get a seller's disclosure. Sellers are supposed to tell you everything they know about the property. Do most realtors ask for that? Not always, but you know, you want to, you want to get a seller's disclosure. You want to research the history of the home. And I'm not saying who lived there and who built it. I'm saying who owns the house has, how long has it been on the market? Um, is there any insurance? You could even research if there's been insurance claims on a property in the past, you know, things like that. You want to ask the right questions. Um, any repairs that were done, make sure that the work was done with permits. A good realtor is going to check all those things for you so you could have peace of mind when you're moving into this house and you're not going to find a ton of problems down the road. Then you find the house, you negotiate a contract, you get the lender, hopefully, and the title company and everybody. So you need to get a lender, title company, inspector. I'll breeze through this. Um, uh, you want to get a full inspection done. Inspection companies, same way with realtors and lenders. You want to interview multiple of them. And ideally, hopefully, you go to closing. <laughs> Who does the, clo- the closing? Is it a, a title agent? T- title companies. It could be an attorney or it could be just a standalone title company would be the person, you know, that is handling everything and making sure the title's clear. Ideally, you don't want to work with a seller's title company. You want to have people on your side and making sure everything looks good. Do you recommend uh, home buyers to first get approval so that they know how much they can afford? Yes. I mean, before they even start looking, they could browse online and I mean, maybe go to a few open houses to kind of see what's out there, right? Because here, there's a big question or a big difference between buying a house and buying a condo, right? So if you're not ready to commit 100%, say your lease is up six months from now, maybe start visiting open houses. But for you to actively look, you do want to get your approval first just because you're going to get disappointed. Uh, when that house sells because most houses are getting multiple offers right now. So you're going to be behind the eight ball. So when you're ready, yes, you need to have that pre-approval. Actually, I've I've browsed myself and uh, some homes, they won't even show them to you unless you show them proof of uh, funding. You can't even go look at the house. Well, that's Unless especially been... now with COVID, people don't want to let people in the okay, house. Okay, so is that... that just like a COVID thing, maybe? Or... Some, sometimes it's a realtor thing. Or it, okay. Sometimes They're just picky and they don't want to maybe waste their time. I don't know. Yeah, sometimes it's realtors. Sometimes it's, it, there's a whole mix of things. But now it's more prevalent because of COVID because it's like, do you want a stranger walking through your house if they're not even approved? Only if they're coming with a payment letter. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you were looking at a $5 million house, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... yeah that's why I didn't go see it because I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have that, that approval that's letter. You didn't want the approval yeah, letter. Yeah, they're like, no. Oh, forget they it. They saw that you came from Miami Lakes, Hialeah, yeah. and, they were like, and they're like, no, 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 we're not sure. We're not yeah. sure this is gonna work. <laughs> we're not wasting our time. 
Um, I have here fixer upper. What was the? Uh, what did you want to? Oh yeah, so just that? kind of like comparing, um, like purchasing like a fixer upper because I know a lot of you know, especially like I read about like millennials and stuff are very much into like the fixer uppers and things like that. So just kind of you can explain to us what's your opinion, your take on purchasing like a fixer upper versus like a move in ready home or a pre construction or, or building a home. So what I like to do, I mean, that's really a really personal choice. If you're asking me. I'm always going to buy a fixer-upper. I mean, yeah, if I could find it, move in. But I'm looking for the deal, right? So I'm like, I'd rather buy this and put my own touches on it. And I'm always looking for that, right? Uh, but there's a lot of people that don't want to deal with that. And that's when you should be looking at the move-in ready homes. If you're handy or if you're looking for a particular type of home or if you're willing to do some work yourself, then fixer-upper, you're going to get better value. But some people are busy, don't have the time, don't have the energy, the resources. Maybe they're expecting kids. Imagine fixing up a house with a new year, uh, newborn in the house. You know, that's not going to happen. So you got to, it's more your lifestyle um, and what your lifestyle demands. I prefer a fixer upper because I prefer old construction. And there's always things that I'm not going to like. Yeah. And I'm going to feel bad if it's just renovated, but I have to like knock it down because I don't like it anyway. So yeah, so that's just my personal take on it. I prefer building. Uh, right, or building. I want to yeah. know what it takes to be able to buy a land and, and build it. Oh, man. So that that's a process. All right. So I'm going to give you a, a little tidbit on land. All right. Um, your land, you should never pay more than granted. You could go higher in high demand areas. But on average, you shouldn't pay more than 25% of your expected finished cut price once it's done. So that's a little rule of thumb. Sorry, of the 25% of the say once not, not that the construction of the home of the total once say once you finish the house, right? If once you finish it, and it's worth a million dollars, your land cost shouldn't be over $250,000. So there you have a little tidbit of, of what you should be looking for if you're going to be looking for land. Um, the process, it's really lengthy. Uh, you're going to have a lot of hurdles and you want to make sure that you could build what you want to build in that city. You, If you're tearing down a house, depending on where it is, you want to make sure you can tear it down. Um, and also you want to make sure that you, you want to do some land inspections as well. I just sold two acres in Pinecrest. They subdivided the lot. They're selling off half of it, but it's already, I sold it to them a year ago and they're starting construction now. So you also have to factor that in as well. Okay. And what about, do you need funding to be able to like your, are you able to get a loan for the construction portion of it or? Depending if you have banking relationships or certain programs allow it like VA, uh, funny enough, they allow for construction loans, um, but it all depends. So it's a lot harder to get a construction loan. Uh, it's almost impossible to get a loan on land. So it depends on what you're trying to do. So typically your land's going to be free and clear and they'll give you a construction loan on top of it. They're going to want to see that you have good financials, a banking relationship, and then they give you the loan in draws. So they'll say, I'm going to lend you $500,000. I'm going to lend you $100,000 to start. Once you reach this milestone, we'll give you another $100,000 and they give it to you in draws. Gotcha. And I think to consider is while you're building, you have to be living somewhere else. So you're probably paying still like another mortgage or another rent or something. Mm -hmm. Those clients time. I'm talking about, they're they're paying for the other lot because they, they bought two lots next to each other, subdivided. It was already subdivided, but they're paying for the other lot, which hopefully we're closing this week. And mm -hmm. they're paying for their house, too, at the same time. Are so, you going to sell their house? Hopefully. Once, you know, once it's done. Yeah. But they're, they're probably another nine months out before that house is done. I know. I happen to know a really good realtor that actually works for luck. <laughs> <laughs> if you need uh, somebody to list it. <laughs> She's awesome. 
let's talk a little bit about uh, sorry i wanted to yeah. sorry go back to that library um for the move-in readies because i know we we're talking a little bit before the podcast um when people see a home that's been renovated might maybe by an investor or a contractor or somebody what should they be looking for like what are the red flags on like a newly renovated home that looks like it's new make sure they pulled permits that's the and it's actually on public records it's really easy to find all you have to do is look all right this house it's all done right let's say it's not every city is the easiest but like unincorporated date it's all on their website look it up if you don't see any permits pulled in the last two years that's a red flag that they did everything without permits now you're going to buy houses and sell houses that have that have work done without permits all the time. But you just want to make sure if you see that, that you get a full inspection, you make sure that that everything was done properly. And you have to really, really look at as well to make sure that there's no unpermitted additions or any garage conversions or stuff like that, because you could tomorrow have a violation on your house and spend thousands of dollars fixing it up and you weren't expecting it. It happens often? It doesn't happen often, but it does happen. It, it happens. Man, it's, it's difficult to say. I know how to look it up. So it doesn't happen to me that often. So it's kind, of, it's kind of hard for me to tell you. And I train everybody who works with me on how to look those things up. And we're not here trying to, like, I'd rather tell the client everything they need to know at the house, about the house. Um, that way, if you feel comfortable, we close. If you don't, at least you, and if, and if you don't, we'll find you something that you feel comfortable with. But if you feel comfortable, you're not going to be mad at me if anything goes wrong. Um, but does it happen often? Not necessarily, but say there is unpermitted work and then you go and try to change something else and you have an inspector come in your house, it might blow up in your face. Yeah. I'm sure that's very common in that uh, area. In the Hialeah, yeah. Miami Lakes. No, because uh, you hear a lot of stories of people like maybe they try to conceal things, like to sell a home or whatever. So it might look like uh, there's a term in Spanish. I don't say una vieja con colorete. Have you ever heard that? <laughs> Where they, they'll cover it up and it looks so pretty. And then what happens when you move in, uh, in a couple months later? And what does happen when you move in a couple months later and something breaks or leaks? Do you? Well, I you mean, hear about those so, people? Do they call you back? For the most not part, you, I don't have those problems. No, not I've you, already but learned <laughs> in, in, in my 14 years of experience, I've already, I've already gotten my war wounds at this point. Um, but what would happen is if this, if you get a violation, you got to get a contractor, you got to bring everything up to code, you got to maybe change or alter things. So it could get very costly. Uh, that's just one avenue, right? You could also move in and you could find out that your roof is shot if you didn't get your good inspector. You could find out that your septic system is shot. There's so many things that could pop up that you're not aware of. And if you're a first-time homebuyer, how are you supposed to know those things? And again, you train your agents to already kind of sort out through all these things and make yeah. sure that the, the home that they're selling, that they're helping the buyer buy uh, doesn't have all these issues, right? Yeah, or if they have it, at least they feel comfortable with it, gotcha. right? It doesn't matter. You could buy a house with 20 issues as long as the client knows about it yeah. is the biggest thing. What recourse do you have? If you have a seller's disclosure and you could know that the seller knew about it, you could go after the seller, um, but it's also another pain. You know, it's trying to avoid those pain points. Gotcha. Just so people know, a lot of these issues are covered by your insurance, by the way. Oh, there you so go. So if you did not know they were there and you happen to encounter those, you know, months in, whatever, then yeah, call Monarch. Which, <laughs> <laughs> hey, that was like advertisement right there. Uh, it's just usually my job. <laughs> uh, well, now that we're talking about insurance, um, 
Wesley, I want to I want to hear your take. How important do you think it is for your buyers to have good insurance? Um, extremely important, right? Because insurance is an interesting field. If you don't have a good insurance company uh, and you have something happen to you, forget trying to get your money back. You you know you have to have insurance anyway, so you might as well get good insurance because when something goes wrong, you're going to want to have some kind of coverage. And when something goes wrong, it tends to be very, very expensive. For example, my house got hit by lightning and you wouldn't expect for those things to happen. But imagine trying to fix all the things that happen because of that. And I didn't even know that I could claim my insurance. Think about it. I'm a realtor and I'm going a million miles an hour until I met Edgar and he's like, oh, you could have claimed that. And I'm like, yeah, that that hurts. <laughs> right. But um, he did help me with another claim, which he did very well. Um, and so it's really important to make sure you have good coverage. Um, there's a lot of companies out there that are not extremely, not uh, insurance companies or insurance providers that are not the best or not reputable or harder to get money back from. So you want to make sure you have your coverage. Uh, you want to make sure that you're not going to have a crazy high deductible as well. You know, so that's extremely important. Oftentimes we come, we come across policy uh, homeowners that at the time of purchasing the home, they just bought the cheapest insurance possible. You know, they just said, give me whatever, give me whatever. I wanted to know if, uh, as part of your uh, agent training program, if you talk to your agents and tell them to, you know, to advise the homeowners not to go with the cheapest option, to yeah. you know, consider uh, all their options all, and the risks and the exposures that they may have. Yeah, is that something that you implement into yeah. your? Yes. So we okay. actually, on our side, we give them a few different insurance providers, not the insurance company, like we don't work with citizens, but a few people that could provide them with insurance, go through the different options and have somebody that advises them, okay, this company is better than this company. You know, each one has its pros and cons. I mean, I'm a weirdo. I like citizens. Why? I know it's a government. I know I'm going to get a check if I need to, but that's me. Like, I mean, that's just my opinion, but everybody's different. You know, I hear you. I hear you. Um, You like citizens. I, wow. I, know, I know, but I know that if I need I'm to... I'm heartbroken. Why? <laughs> well, not necessarily. It's, it's, it's more on the coverages than the insurance company. I'm oh, sorry. So there's good and bad insurance companies, yeah. but you could have a great insurance companies with terrible coverages. So having a good insurance company yeah. doesn't really... I just like to know that I'm going to get paid if I need to. Will you, though? I, I We're don't gonna know. have to check that policy, though. And see if uh, you will, even it's if it's same, citizens. Right? <laughs> uh, it's the same one I had before. You got me, you got me paid once, so I wouldn't get me paid again. <laughs> It's getting tougher and tougher, but oh. yes, I will get you paid. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. I mean, I, I haven't had an issue with my insurance. So I guess I'm speaking from personal experience and nothing else. Recently, you had me over in one of your uh, Zoom meetings, and we talked about us the, a service that we provide, which is free policy reviews. Um, and this is in addition to uh, the advice that, they, that your yeah. buyers already get from the agents. Uh, it's actually even, it's actual advice because when we review that policy, we are actually looking at the coverages while the agent uh, is only looking at, you know, how much is covered per se. Mm -hmm. So we know what's covered and what's not. Uh, agents, even though they should know, I don't think all of them do at all times. So quick advertisement, guys. <laughs> If you have a policy, you want to know what coverages you have, send them over to us and we'll review it for you at no cost. So just so that you can have that peace of mind. Um, I have one I'm going to send you. Yeah. I, I have I have, a, I have an inspection we just did today and I got to well I got to get a double top fixed and I have to figure out what we're going to do with the roof, but I'll I'll figure it out. We're going to close. I know we'll close. Well, send it over, not that one, send all of them if you want. And again, it's something that we do completely free of cost and it's going to give your clients 
peace of mind. Yeah. No, they're first time home buyers. So, I have a call with them. They call me like every like five times a day. Yeah. <laughs> I have a conference call at seven. No, but I love it because the first time home buyers, like they appreciate it so much because they're so lost. Like they are so lost. So yes, th- that is a big service that I feel like you will help them so much with. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. The feedback that, that I get from homeowners when they have like a, you know, their recent ho- uh, homeowners and they have a claim and they have really bad coverages. Usually they say that they make those cuts because they wanted to make like the payments more affordable or things like that. So they don't realize like they're cutting corners on their policy and then when something happens because they might not go back and change it they may think oh this first year i'm going to save money so that i can make the payments affordable and they forget and the policy just keeps renewing and then a few years on the line they have an issue and then they forgot that they had this really bad coverage that they agreed to to make their payments more affordable so yeah that's which in one of the, the podcasts that we did recently i'd said cut you know how many times you go out instead of going out uh, (laughs) to eat four times a month, go out once and put that money towards your insurance instead and make sure that you're covered Uh, because you will regret it and something will happen along the line. That's what people don't think about. Oh, you know, just getting insurance, but nothing will happen. But something always does happen. How unlikely is it? I got hit by lightning. Right. I was going to say that. How unlikely is that to happen? Like one in who knows a common. uh, You think? yeah. 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 Oh, I, I don't know. To me, it was it was it was heartbreaking. I literally <laughs> came home and my half of my entire house, every, all the electrical and half of my house was shot. I blew, it blew out all my TVs. It blew out like so much, like an entire half of my house. So it was it was not fun. Well, luckily you weren't there then. No, I wasn't. But it was definitely. <laughs> not fun. All right, Wesley. So we're going to close this out with a rapid fire. But wait, before I think I want to make sure I'm not missing anything. Uh Oh, yes. For the viewers, uh, we're collaborating, right? On yes. that video that we talked about? Yes. Uh, we're doing a video that's uh, for educate whoever's watching on how to buy a home, how to, the right way on how to buy a home. And we're going to work on that together. So please look out for that. Yeah, make sure you don't get properties with unpermitted work or hidden problems or, you know, making sure you get a good deal, most importantly. Supposedly, I'm going to be doing some funny stuff, so we'll see. And as you guys know, I'm not too funny, so <laughs> it should be interesting. But anyway, back to the rapid fire. So as you guys know, I ask our guest a few quick questions, and uh, you just answer them as brief as you can. Okay? Go for it. Ready? Yeah. Oh, you did. You opened it up. I got it. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. All right. Who do you admire most? Oh, my God. That's such a tough question. Um, man, uh, it... M- Financially, Warren Buffett, oh my God, the Oracle of Omaha. Like, I, I just, I, I love his principles. But then, like, I also love Elon Musk and, like, his crazy ideas. So, I, I, I those are, would be up there, but probably close to home. I would probably say, um, there's this one lady that I admire so much. She's the, uh, the president of Miami Association of Realtors. Oh my God, I just want to be her. She's so, Amazing. She runs an association of 50,000 realtors and she looks like she does it with like just like snapping her fingers. It's the easiest thing for her. So like I see her and I, I want to be somebody like that, that she doesn't even stress a thing that comes across her way. Are you going to run for that? No. <laughs> Too much work? No. I, I just want to do my own thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't want to be a president of anything. I, I'm, I'm my own president. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, and since you, since you mentioned Elon Musk, do you own a Tesla? No. Are you going to buy one? 
No. <laughs> I can never use that uh, user code to no. get the free miles. <laughs> no, I, I, it's not. I mean, I, they're cool, but I'm going to be horrible. I bought a Range Rover, and I love that way that car drives, and I'm a terrible <laughs> human being for it because I'm an environmentalist, but I don't care. My Range Rover is awesome. <laughs> you have to drive my Model S. It's like- I believe you, but I just need an SUV. After I had an SUV, I will never go back to anything that's not big and I could fit everything in it and I could go on road trips. Then drive Maretta's Model X, which is an <laughs> SUV. <laughs> <laughs> and the doors go up. Maybe uh, right now no. Right now no. I'm 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 in love with my car so I don't want to switch. All right. So I'm a terrible person, sorry. And for the viewers too, guys, if you're going to buy one, use my code. I'm going to put it on the, <laughs> the bio, all right? If I buy one, I'll call you. Andre, put it on there, all right? Thank you. All right, uh, your favorite hobby? Hobby? Oh, for, that's easy. Um, I love historic houses, and I love vi- visiting historic houses. So anywhere I go, I want to visit like historic properties. Um, I want to learn the history of it. I want to be immersed in it. So that is uh, so for sure. Architecture, history, and that is my vibe all day long. Real estate is perfect for you well that's how i found like i've had so many moments that real estate is a really trying field but that's how i found my passion is connecting what i love with it and like blending it together so um i recently started a blog miami historic homes and an instagram page so if anybody wants to follow that they're more than welcome to um so i go around just uh photographing all the historic homes here in south florida cool and then you post the pictures right yeah okay Uh, andre if you don't mind just put in the the uh at It'll be here. Say it again? Here. Yeah, it'll be here. Miami right. Historic Homes. Ma- you can't Miami forget Historic that. Homes. Miami Historic Homes. All right. We'll, we'll put it on there. But that is definitely my number one hobby. <laughs> All right. Uh, if you could teleport, where would you go and why? Can I go back in time? Sure. Anyway. Oh, wow. Oh, man. Because if I could go back in time, I could have so much fun with this. Um, where would I go? Oh, my God. I would just go everywhere. I would just use it to go back and forth. Especially now that we can't fly. Or <laughs> one place, though. One place. Uh, one moment in history. Oh, man. Um, I would probably go back to, even though it was like not a great time to be there, but I would love to see like the American Revolution. I would love to go back like and and see like the world or like any time in in United States history, like in the late 1700s or early 1800s. I would love, I love history. So I would love to be part of building something that is brand new. What if you get stuck there? I don't care. (laughs) I'm I'm an old soul. You could stick me anywhere. <laughs> I, I would love to be in Egypt. I would love to be in the Roman Empire. I would love to be in Italy. I, I could be anywhere where there's history. And you could take me anywhere and I'll be a happy camper. Do you travel often? I do. You do? Yeah. I, uh, anywhere I could go find history. Like, that's like my thing. I mean, and beaches too. Okay. All there's right. history there, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> Shipwrecks, whatever you want to find <laughs> from it. <laughs> How do you define happiness? How do I define happiness? Um, that's... You know, actually, I think happiness isn't something you necessarily, it's how I define it for myself, right? Because everybody's different. How I define it for myself, peace of mind, for sure. Um, Balance. I think balance is important in anything you do. You can't work too much, but you can't work too little. So I think it's finding that balance and finding what makes your spirit come alive, right? Because Life shouldn't be all about work. It shouldn't all be about play either because you gotta you gotta feel like you're giving something or you're doing or you're using yourself to the best of, of your abilities. Right? So not working too much, but having having balance in all factors of life, right? Having a full circle. Got it. Okay. 
And uh, where do you see yourself in three years? Oh, multiple houses. <laughs> and I want to live in different cities for different times of the year. <laughs> so multiple houses, one I in each city, right? Have a house city, right? in Miami. I want to have a house like in North Carolina. I want to have a house. I haven't decided on the third place, but I want to have, um, f- for sure, I want to have multiple houses and I want to continue to grow my company, continue to grow my business. Um, and I want to definitely um, have more free time because it's a lot of work investing and growing a company um but my reward will be i want to have a house oh i want to have a house in charleston that's for sure so i want to have multiple houses and that is my goal right now basically one in every state not in every state (laughs) not in every state i don't want to be in every state but i want to anywhere where i could find rich history or rich uh scenery or something and that's what i want colorado would be cool too yeah, the more you think about it, the more places I'm you like, start. Oh, adding. <laughs> well, they have to be somewhat affordable. It can't be in New York. That's not going <laughs> to uh, I'm sure in the next three years, you'll probably be able to afford New I York. I wouldn't want to be in New York. No? I don't. Big city. I told you. I'm an introvert. That, that's that, true. that would oh, drive okay. me crazy. That's, that's where it comes <laughs> in. You already okay. have Miami for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, New York would drive me insane. Gotcha. Wesley, this has been a major treat. I really appreciate you coming by uh, and accepting this invitation. I know you're extremely busy, so this means a lot to us. Um, well, I hope I was entertaining. I, I, I'm not able to sing and dance or do anything. You can else. if you want. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. um, no, thank you. I appreciate it. This is awesome. Um, my first podcast. So oh, we, you, we need a bell. We need a bell. There you go. We podcast cherry. cherry. And I would think that you would have. That you probably. I told these guys like you're in, in front of the in front of the camera all the time. So I thought that this I'm, is your thing. Go go go. So. Whatever comes, comes. Whatever doesn't come, come. But no, thank you guys. It was awesome. So uh, looking forward to doing the videos. Excellent. Right. So well, are thank we. you, Wesley. And now I'm going to close out. Uh, guys, can you guys check this out and let me know how we're doing? Please subscribe, comment, like, share. We're discussing a lot of topics here with industry professionals and things that are going to give anybody that's looking to, to uh, get into something new ideas so watch it comment and let us know how we're doing okay i really appreciate you guys watching and i'll see you on the next one